Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Julia is here with me, a fabulous co-host, and it's always good to see you, Julia, especially your smile. It's so contagious. Thank you. Oh my gosh, loving it. You were in the hospital and you had had an experience, one getting there that was based on some dialogue with the VA prior to you going into the hospital. And then upon your, I think, day or so before you exited, um, you actually had um, an awareness that a vet had lost his life to suicide. So share some of that with us. What was going on there? Doc had a, a text that said that his friend discovered his friend's body 22 hours ago and it was a military veteran who was a registered nurse um, with st john's hospital here in town that he committed suicide and i'm an advocate not only for myself but for veterans because we're what i call a band of brothers we're, we're, we're family growing up in the military. My dad spent 26 years in the air force and I spent my freshman, sophomore, junior year in high school in Japan. And the majority of my Facebook friends are from high school and we're such a close knit family. When you lose a member, like I just found out, um, one of my high school friends died yesterday from cancer. And um, that's a that's family and it's impactful. And my heart goes out to my family. It goes out towards the veterans that I served with in the military. I was very fortunate um, when I went in I left uh, Fort Gordon, was stationed at Fort Hood, Texas. We went to Fort Polk for an exercise, going to the National Training Center at Fort Irwin to prepare to go to Afghanistan. And by some divine nature, my company commander was pregnant, was able to get a hold of a senator, and they changed our orders so we didn't go. Mm. I didn't go to combat, but I know plenty of soldiers who did and the impact that it had on them. And one of the things that doc told me is that suicide rates are going to go higher, especially in the medical community. And that's concerning. And, you know, I don't know about you, but Suicide, it's challenging, it's difficult. When I was a director at an inpatient hospital, you know, these kids were coming in. You always knew when it was gonna be a full moon. <laughs> and you always knew when school started because mm -hmm. we had an influx of adolescents that were coming in. 
and anxiety was high and suicide was high. When I did therapy, there was two videos that I showed from YouTube. There was a guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge that survived. He's 1% of the survivors that survived the jump from the Golden oh Gate Bridge. Interesting story. A flip side, there's a TED Talk with a highway patrolman that talks about his perspective of suicide. When you think about suicide, people just need to talk. And you think about characters like Robin Williams, Naomi Judd, strong personalities. And you think, okay, Steve, you're a therapist. But yet I've been in that situation when I had a 34% chance of living by 2021. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of stuff was coming down on me. And I had enough. And I contemplated about sabotaging my surgery because I was tired. I was done. Mm -hmm. But there was given a hope. I had chemotherapy, which doesn't help with your brain. It causes brain fog. And I didn't pass my exam, my national council exam, six times. I failed it six times, missing by one point. Now, mind you, this, you know, if somebody makes a hundred, the score goes up. So it makes it harder to pass. It's a four hour exam, 200 questions, 60 of those questions don't count. So it's a challenging test. I didn't study. I said, God, this is on you. I can't do it. And I passed seven points higher than the necessary score. That gave me hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's back up here just for a minute, because right at this particular episode, we really kind of want to focus not just on the suicide aspect, but the suicide of veterans. Mm. And, um, and just to kind of add a little bit of statistics, there is a number going around that 22 veterans die a day. They commit suicide. Um, that number, that narrative, we do now know based on the U.S. Department of Vet, uh, Veterans Administration that that 22 number a day across the U.S. is actually followed by a really huge plus or minus. So it can go one direction or the other. Okay, because not every uh, suicide that happens is necessarily contributed to suicide. There may be comorbidities that exist. There are a lot of those numbers. Some are just never reported. Uh, they, they're missing. Okay. And um, the number one reason that veterans commit suicide is PTSD. And um, so we look at that and we go, wow, that is incredible. But let's look at Oklahoma alone. Oklahoma in 2016 had 110 veteran deaths. 100 of those were male and 10 approximately were female. And when we look at that, it's, it's very, very interesting because here was this kind of shocked me a little bit out of those numbers most of them did not serve in Iraq or Afghanistan. They were in the age ranges of 55 years old to 74 years in age. 
So they weren't even associated with Iraq or Afghanistan, but yet the reason for that's, or at least that's connected to their suicide is PTSD. I'm not a veteran, I support them, but as a therapist and a veteran, what do you think is going on here with our vets that make it a challenge to reach out and talk about what's going on within themselves so they get the help and support that they need? What's happening? You know, I, I should have asked you to do a little bit more digging into this because I'm curious about, is it more men who commit the suicide versus women? It is. Yes. It's a hunt. It's a, it's overrated. I mean, like it's a huge gap between the males that come vets that commit suicide a hundred. And this is just in Oklahoma. Okay. A hundred of them yeah. are male and 10 approximately are female, but across the nation, it is still more male vets that are uh, committing suicide versus female. So when you think about those numbers mm -hmm. here, here, are, here, here's a therapeutic aspect that I look at. Men have only been given access to one emotion. That's anger. Because as we're being raised as boys, we're taught, you know, the fathers are kicked out of the home sometimes. So it's hard to find a good male mentor. Suck it up. Boys don't cry. You get pushed to a point to where sometimes you feel like you're not good enough. You know, men need encouraging words from women because being a leader, it's tough. And we need sometimes those nurturing aspects from women. Hey, great job. I really appreciate what you did for me the other mm -hmm. day. Just something small, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about that access to one emotion, anger, Men are thought processing. They act on process of thought, whereas women act on process of emotion or react on emotion. It's difficult for majority of the men to connect to emotion. And it's hard to reach out because we're seen as military men. We're not supposed to have emotion. I remember the drill sergeant teaching us what makes the grass grow blood drill sergeant blood blood makes the grass grow and we were taught to fight and to kill our enemy and there's that anger aspect but to have compassion becomes very challenging for a man to talk about his emotion and my theory is narcissism is an adult bullying that hasn't resolved a childhood hurt of an emotion because they don't know how to connect to emotion. And so it comes out through anger. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect that I think that men have a difficult time in talking about their emotion and finding ways to connect. Well, Second, and it sounds very, it sounds very much like, uh, that emotions really don't make sense to to males, mm -hmm. uh, to men, and that are raised with this kind of mentality of the things that you shouldn't do, 
as a male and and then having the external support of a uh, female in their life influential female in their life that is nurturing and kind and um supportive if that is if that element is missing then it sounds like the men are kind of left a little bit just to flounder in their anger and that's it is that I'm, what i'm understanding is that true i i think that's what, what I've seen is they do flounder. It's very difficult. I've got a friend who's a Marine and has 32 different illnesses. And yet the, the VA has not given him any percentage yet. And he, he has a difficult time talking about it because of the emotion. Mm -hmm. He, they, they found out that he's been suppressing 30 something years of helicopter crashes and the impact that it had on him. And when you think about men's emotions, a lot of them don't know how to connect. I mean, that's why they don't like seeing women cry. They can't deal with women crying sometimes. So last year I went to a Bizarro conference here in Tulsa. It's a continuing education for therapists to go to to get our continuing education courses they had a washington dc representative he was he oversees all the mental health one of the things that i find is that the medical community is not synced with the mental health community i would agree we're getting better by talking about ACE scores and, and how our trauma is impacting our, our medical health. Mm -hmm. We're getting there, but it's still disconnected. And one of the things that I explained to him, when you have men who have a lot of stuff going on in their brain, it causes erectile dysfunction, mm -hmm. PTSD missing body parts, not feeling good enough. You get home to your spouse, your family, and it's challenging to find a way of having an intimate connection. So when these veterans go for help, the VA will give you one pill a week, whether it's Viagra or Cialis to have sex, one okay. pill, that's their policy they won't change it. And I did some research on this. And when you think about one time, that's not enough for a soldier to connect. Correct. And when you don't have that connectivity and you already feel disassociated from your military family, and you're trying to be reintroduced into the civilian community. I mean, you look at the convicts that come out of prison, who has a difficult time reintegrating into society. It's different mm -hmm. when you can't connect. Suicide is like gangrene. It just grows and continues to grow until it kills you. So what in your, in your opinion, both professionally and personally, could we do as a community, and I'm going to go with a community of females right now, since the higher rate of suicide applies to males um, that are veterans, 
what is it that we can do to be more uh, supportive and present and, and just compassionate for our male veterans? Because they, some of them may not want it. I mean, they may want it subconsciously, but external, you know, on the outside, they're like, sometimes they push you away. I have, I have several male veteran friends and it took a long time to get into their circle. And I'm one of those people that I attract people to me and all the time. So to have this standoffish, you know, um, posture and it's, I was in law enforcement for 13 years. And so it's the same thing. We put a, you know, this facade of just, Oh, I've got it all together. Um, I can do it myself, you know, kind of thing. Um, but inside you're, you're kind of shattered. You're, you're falling apart, you're in pieces and, and you don't want the world to see that. So how can we, um, show up and be present for these vets? You know, sometimes it's a catch 22 because as a veteran, you don't want, I mean, think about the constant bombardment of getting a shot at in basic training. We went into live fire exercises where they were shooting live ammunition above our heads to simulate an actual war. And when you think about that, you're having to rely on another person in green uniform to have your back. Anything else you don't trust. Think about, you know, I did four years active duty telecommunications, moved to Tulsa, did four years reserves in the criminal investigations department. You were in law enforcement for 13 years. How challenging is it to trust? Well, it's, I just say it's the officer that had that's in front of you and the officer that's behind you. That's right. the... Mm -hmm. And so when you get into a community of civilians, you know, I, I think of, we become a nation that's very forceful. I did this experiment when I was impatient, I would put a dollar in my hand and I would reach out and I would say to the, the kiddo, you can have this. How would you take it from my hand? 99% of those kids would try to pry it out of my hand. 1%, may I have it, please? When somebody's in the hospital or somebody dies, what makes us think that we have to say anything? Why can't we just sit aside, put our arm around them or hold their hand and just be present? Mm allow that moment we, we become so uncomfortable with silence that we feel a pressure and one of the things going through school we learned how to sit in silence five ten fifteen minutes so the client can find ways to express themselves i think by being present helps listening, watching for cues. We don't watch for cues. Somebody that gives their things away, that should be a red flag. How come you're giving this stuff away? What's going on? Mm -hmm. 
listening to words and and how they say things are just not working out. We take that stuff for granted. If you know someone who's going through a difficult time, just say, hey, I notice you're going through a difficult time. It's a catch-22 because sometimes they do push away. But just being present, I think for a community, if we had better support groups, helping men to learn how to talk, you look at the pendulum swing. We went from leave it to beaver where women were kind of suppressed to where we have feminism where they're warriors and men have been pushed out. Men have lost the sense of identity. And I hear women complaining, well, he won't step up. When you take away his house, his money, his kids, his work, that's what a man lives for, to build. Mm -hmm. And you take away that? What does a man have to live for? There's a, a, there is actually, I want to pause right there because there is a beautiful, beautiful poem that was posted yesterday regarding men mm. um, by Shade Ashani. So I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I want to make sure I give credit to this. Um, but it says, dear men, we miss you deeply. When women gather together in circles, we tell stories of how much we long for you, crave you, pray for you to rise and meet us here to mourn your miss, uh, missing presence in our childhoods, in our homes we've built without you. In our beds, we hold our hands and beg God to set you free from whatever keeps you from standing at our sides. Right here, here in intimacy, in integrity, in wholeness, in freedom, the places where you are caught in dishonesty, shame, fear, addiction, we grieve and we rage over. We see your pain and we see your power. We miss you, we love you. We can't wait for you to come home for the men who have. Thank you so much. Please call your brothers, start men's circles, show them the manuals, tell them of what you gave up, of your brokenness and your acceptance, of what is truly what it truly means to take up the mantle of protector. Please, there aren't enough fathers, resources, leaders for men to sit at the feet of. The women have tried. We can't do it. The restoration must come from within the masculine. The feminine cannot mother grown men into wholeness. We cannot strap men onto our backs and walk. We've tried. We've bowed out, not gracefully, but in mournful acceptance nonetheless. And we will wait for you to burst free from the shackles of patriarchy has placed on you. We pray, we pray, we pray for the great remembrance. I get chills when I read that poem because it's it's calling back the men, the masculinity to come back and nurture. I, you and I have talked about male and female energy briefly in some of our talks. We understand the power that comes from each energy and, and each of us as individuals have both male and female, uh, masculine or feminine energy, but it really does take men to do the men roles. It takes women to do the women roles. And it's not that we can't 
step in occasionally and exchange those roles as necessary. But I stand in a place as a woman, as a widow, a mother of five adult kids now, that there are some things that I can do really, really well as a woman. But Steve, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things I can't do, I cannot rear my son to be the man that he needed to be. I needed a man to do that because there are things that men teach boys that women simply can't do. It's not a shame on women. It's just not our role. And for the single mothers or single fathers out there, this is no criticism towards you. You're doing the best you can, but understanding that your best may not always be enough. I think it's an, for me, it was important. It was valuable that I understood that role. So I went out and found men that I admired to help me teach my son to go from adolescence after his dad died to the man he is today. And that was the best investment that I could make for him was actually trusting these men to help me do what I was not capable of doing. I am not a man. I will never be a man. I cannot be one. Okay. And I know that's going to strike some chords possibly for some of the lead um, listeners, but when it comes to our vets and these, these male suicides, I do believe women will step in and they can be the nurturers, the caregivers, the supporters, but we also need other men to step in and help these men overcome these challenges, these, these internal tortures and traumas that are going on there. We, we, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> we, I appreciate that poem because that, that hit me and we're running out of time. And one of the things I'm going to yes. close with is we need to become a society that allows vulnerability and to be okay with it. That's so beautiful. So Julia, it's been great. Thank you for sharing this topic with me. It's a challenging topic, but I think something that we need to share. I would agree with you, Steve. Thank you for your time and thank our audience. Uh, we're so grateful for each one of you that are listening. And I hope that something that we said today touches someone's heart and inspires them to be a better them. So thank you, Steve. And, and remember, if you're contemplating a suicide, please call the suicide hotline. There are there, they are trained to help those who are there. Thanks and have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.